Pegasus Podcast, presented by Night Sports Now. UCF news, views, and a few hot takes. Now, here are your hosts, Bailey Go Knights Adams and Christian Charge On Simmons. Welcome into episode 102. Be sure you're following us on Twitter at Bailey J Adams 22 at by CA Simmons and at Night Sports Now. Christian, how are you? I'm doing well. Um, it was announced by UCF Twitter fans today that UCF is hosting game day for the Cincinnati game. So that was an exciting development. <laughs> haven't seen an announcement from ESPN or anyone who makes that choice yet, but UCF Twitter is pretty convinced. So uh, I love it. Like we're already talking about who's going to be the guest picker and it can be worse than Maury Povich. So yeah, p- basically UCF fans were told great news. There's like a 20% chance UCF hosts game day, which is accurate from what I can see. And UCF fans were like, that's great. It's a done deal. Let's talk about this and nothing else for the rest of the day. And that's been all of today's. Who's the guest picker going to be? Is Pat McAfee going to jump in spirit splash? And I'm like, guys, like a especially, lot of things still have to happen for this to be game day. I mean, yeah, especially since so much of it hinges on this weekend. Like there's still another game. So let's review what has to happen. UCF ob- obviously has to be East Carolina, which that's that's no give me game since whole nailers exists. Um, sarcastic comment, yeah. but it's fine. Uh, Cincinnati has to beat SMU. That one I'm actually curious about because Cincinnati has played two conference games. It's been Tulsa and USF and both have been struggles. So not so sure. On top of those both happening, ESPN has to say, we think it is more valuable to put our show on UCF's campus than on Ohio State and Penn State's game and also Florida and Georgia and also Michigan and Michigan State. So I'm not saying it's not going to happen. Like clearly the whole, I mean, this all originated, if I didn't say from the TV time for the Cincinnati game coming out, it's 12 or 3.30 on ESPN or ABC, which obviously signals the game is being considered for game day but that doesn't mean it's going to happen i'm sorry yeah. to just open this podcast by making you all sad but like it's not a done deal my favorite thing that's going to happen out of this is like it's going to end up happening you're like see Christian, you tried to tell us it wasn't going to happen <laughs> which i that's fine like that's just my role in ucf fandom happen. something happens and i'm happy about it and people are like ha you must be miserable now because ucf yeah. <laughs> is doing well um I, I would love for game day to come back i looked up the stat i told you that if they do get game day they're going to be only the 13th school to host game day twice in the last five years which is pretty crazy i was wondering if you'd give away that stat on the podcast thought yeah, you just so someone it. can like one up me and tweet it even after i did the research before you know that'll be out there <laughs> yeah Thanks, i thought guys. you might be saving it for, for if it doesn't i don't know like as of right now i feel like decently like i feel decently good about the chances that they do come but maybe i'm just being overly optimistic i just I'm trying to figure out why they would pick UCF over Penn State, Ohio State. That's my whole Pet- pettiness. Okay, because because ESPN's losing the Big Ten contract. Yeah, pettiness. I don't think they'd ever actually make a decision based on that, but because they want ah, TV ratings now, would but... be very surprised. I, I mean, if UCF and Cincinnati, if UCF and Cincinnati do both win, that's two. T- that's a top twenty-five matchup, which the, you know there aren't a ton of those week in and week out. Um, they know that UCF will show up for game day. They know it'll be an awesome environment. It does give them a chance to showcase something like a little different because, you know, they've yeah. been bouncing like around the Blue Bloods all season. Yeah. So it's not out of the, it's not like out of the question or anything. I just, well, of course it's not out of the question. It's being considered, but I, I just, I'm hesitant. You know, you guys know how I am with this stuff. Like I refuse to, like, I still am not convinced John Walker's coming to UCF just because like, I don't want to like believe good things will happen until I know they're happening. <laughs> It's also, but it's also a matchup between two teams going to the Big Twelve next year. I think that's like that's another element. To two it. teams that really don't like each other. Yeah, I mean, I, I it was a matchup that they had before. Like the only other time they came to UCF was this matchup, and a lot has happened since then. Like, I mean, it's it's an interesting one, but it was funny because like as of last week, I was like, ah, it doesn't feel like possibility at all. And then like now today, like there's some stuff's come out, and we're like the kickoff time comes out, and we're like, 
that's actually a, a pretty decent chance. Yeah, the kickoff time stunned me. Which, let me be totally clear, game day or not, UCF getting the chance to play on ABC or ESPN, that's awesome. That's awesome. I'm assuming it would be it would be ESPN if it's noon and 3.30 if it's ABC. Either way, those are great, great opportunity. Yeah. So it, yeah. it's good news no matter what. We're just going to find out how much good news it is. The only thing I don't like about it is I just, I feel better about nighttime atmospheres than like we talked about over text. Like if it is, if it is game day and it's a game, like a college game day crowd atmosphere, like fine, that's probably going to make up for it. But if we don't get game day, it ends up being a 12 o'clock game. I feel like that is a worse it is result. It is. But if they do get game day, game. I mean, think about that. You what game day wraps up low afternoon. People tailgate for like two and a half hours, head to the stadium. That would be a, I mean, the I know it was a night game, so it was a little different, but the game day atmosphere back in 2018 was still like far and away. And I've been to like the majority of UCF home games, the wildest atmosphere I've ever seen in that stadium. I mean, it was, and, and it messed with Cincinnati and played a role in them winning the game. But and yeah. I also feel like this would be even easier to have a great crowd because the the first game day was like, okay, game day ended. And then it was eight hours until kickoff. And this one, I mean, if it's, if it's a three thirty kick and you get game day, I mean, you literally just tailgate for two hours and you go to the stadium. So the one that's always weird to me is when they do game day, we're just on the huge tangent right now, I guess about all this. I mean, it's relevant, but like, cause when they do game day and then it's for a 12 o'clock game, like that's always so weird to me. That one's odd. And then they'll usually like switch to the booth where they're like in the stadium and you're yeah. seeing people like pile in. Yeah. That's and no one's reacting to like the picks at the end because everyone's just in the stadium. They can't see them. Well, it's even weird. They, I don't even know if they could do that at UCF. Like, I don't know where do they have. Where a little, could they like, possibly put it? That's what I'm saying. I the cabana. Know. It's like I a little ledge. Is there enough room? No, but I don't know what your other option. They just couldn't do yeah. it at UCF. I don't know where yeah. they would do it. So that's why I think it would be 3:30 anyway. So yeah, that's, this is all very like. I love how like I started this conversation with. Why are we overreacting to the possibility of game day coming to UCF? And then Bailey and <laughs> I immediately noon, followed it by where would doing they put, exactly what Twitter Where would they put the set in the stadium? Who will Blake Bortles yeah. pick to win the game, you know? Oh, yeah. Okay, well, let's let's move on to a game that happened in the past, which is the Temple game. Before we move on to ECU this weekend, um, I felt like after the – and I feel like this sometimes we wrap up the post-game podcast and I'm like, oh, we forgot to mention this. Dang it. But, like, I feel like we covered a lot with the Temple game. Um, and I think it was easy to do that because we went, I think, over 30 minutes because they've scored 70 points. And it was I was going to say, when, when UCF wins, we tend to miss fewer things. Yeah, it was all Seems around to be some sort night. of correlation there. So some of the things I have here is just like straight up stats where there's not much to talk about. But something that I thought was crazy. We talked. I know we talked about how many different players had carries on the game. There were 10, 10 different guys had at least one carry, um, including Tyler Grable. Um, but I didn't think I don't think I mentioned that 11 different players had catches in the game. Yeah, that's just a lot of people getting involved. And that's even like outside of I know, like it it helps when you go up and you put your backups in in the third quarter. Um, but I don't know. It was just. It's yeah, just I mean, crazy. 21 players had a catcher carry. That's a lot. That's a that's that's a lot. That's a lot of players. So, yeah, I mean, that's a, and that's the advantage of games like that, because you don't get a ton of those in a season. Honestly, you maybe get like one or two, because I mean, like I'm talking like even the SC State game was over later than this was. I mean, you basically. UCF had the one drive out of halftime where they scored and the game was done. And that yeah. basically to have a full half of the game to just like get everybody out there was super valuable. We saw, I mean, we, we talked about it on the post game pod, but we saw a lot of freshmen get out there. I mean, on both sides of the ball, we saw Tommy Castellanos, we saw Cam Moore. I mean, that stuff is so valuable when you can put them in situations where it's not just handing off the ball, running out the clock, like you get to actually play some football. Yeah, no, it was, it was fun to watch. Um, one of the other things that I think was kind of, easily overlooked was the fact that because they scored um, as many touchdowns as they did um colton boomer tied matt wright's record of 10 extra points in one game 
It's yeah, just, it's, I just that I don't care about that. Like I, I like not to like be mean to Colton Boomer and Matt Wright and all our special teams folks out there, but like I just like I don't know. People made a big deal about that. I'm just kind of like, okay. I mean, yeah, he, he well, did what he was supposed nice, to do. Yeah. Is but making an extra point accomplishment? Like, like, isn't that just why? It, I feel like that's like expecting the quarterback to successfully hand the ball off. Like, yeah. Ask that's ECU. Does ECU miss a lot of extra points? Uh, their kickers has missed five this year. That's actually horrible. Including one to um, lose a game. Yeah. Wow. So. Oh, yeah. We watched that game. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. Good time. Yeah. yeah he's 20 for 25 on extra points. Can I say how interested I am that the tradition of yelling boom when Boomer kicks PATs caught on in like a game and a half? I like it. Apparently like that, that went from like a Twitter idea to a whole thing. Like really. Well, quickly. apparently it was a thing in high school and I didn't know oh, that. I don't know I how know I was either. supposed to know that. I tweeted, I was like, I love that become a thing. And somebody responded to me and was like, real ones have been doing it since high school. I was like, sorry, I didn't who watch the real in high ones? school. What? Apparently anyone who went to high school with them, I'm guessing. I'm guessing this person was probably like a. I don't know if it was a former teammate or just a friend of his. I don't know. But well, let me like just be half, let me there, just yeah. on behalf of the whole podcast apologize that either Bailey or I went to high school with Colton Boomer. That's I'm sorry about yeah. that. We should have. Nor did that. I watch one of his high school games at all. Um, but no, yeah, I really like that's a thing. And also the the thing that I guess it's his grandparents wear like the Colton Boomer jerseys and like check. Yeah, off that was many. cool. That is really cool. I love how uh, I'm assuming this was the people people were asking why I think his grandma had it on like backwards. I'm like, why is her jersey on backwards? And like, I think it's because she can like tally it off herself on her front. Like that's on the front of her and then she does it yeah it was just funny because like the picture is you can see them sitting next to each other and you can just see the backward jersey on her and everyone's kind of like what's going on there boomer is um, just a very on-brand player for ucf i feel like that's the socks best way now. to describe it yes socks i mean yeah. you know UCF, socks. ucf players socks. have a long storied history of of selling socks <laughs> i didn't even think i didn't put that together <laughs> i was just i just saw a rock'em socks tweet and they're like you asked for it we listened and that's the like the best part is that people did actually ask for it so um, can I ask a question about Dylan Gabriel real quick? I don't mean to completely take us off off topic. This is going to be a long podcast. It's just must. one of those episodes. Um, why did, and maybe like our listeners can clue me in, why did the socks become the thing with him? Because like he was selling a lot of stuff. Like why did we laser on the socks? I don't like, know. I thought him selling <laughs> a generic black and gold jersey with his initials instead of a team logo was way more funny than selling socks. And I feel like we don't make nearly enough jokes about that. Well, he couldn't do it with a team logo, right? No, I know he couldn't, but I just thought oh, okay. it was funny the idea that someone would want to buy a, a, a jersey that just had a player's initials. And on. people did. People did. There was that one guy in the stands who was always wearing it. I wonder where that jersey is now. I don't even know who you're referring to, I don't think. Yeah, there was a game where they kept showing shots. Was it was like one dude. Where, yes, you don't remember. No, I don't, no, I don't remember that. Oh. No. Um, but yeah, I don't know. The socks just became a thing, and <laughs> I really don't know why. Um and then the last thing I have here is just the fact, and we talked plenty, plenty about the UCF offense and defense. Um, but after that game, another good defensive performance. UCF is still first at red zone defense. They're 13th and third down defense. They're eighth in scoring defense. And they're ninth in team passing efficiency allowed or like the defensive version of that. Um, yeah, it's a very good defense. It just is. I don't, I mean, it's... Um, we talked about it a little bit last week about how it continues to trend toward being one of the best, if not the best ever. It's nice to see. Yeah. I mean, okay. Like, let's be clear. It is the best defense ever for UCF. Like I, I, I kind of, I'm, I'm just going to keep doubling down on that until it becomes reality. But like, I honestly, it's not like UCF has some long illustrious history of elite defenses. Like I feel like this one right now, and I understand we're halfway through the season, but halfway is a significant sample size. That's not a fluke. I think this is definitely the best defense in UCF history. I love the stat. I don't remember who had it, but I mean, how many games in a row is this nine games in a row that UCF hasn't allowed more than 20 points. 
Yeah, it was Gus Malzahn who had that stat. Oh, was it? Was that where it he, came from? He said well, it. Thank, in his, well, uh, thank you, Coach Malzahn. I mean, when you yeah. think about it like that, though, it's been 11 months since a team scored more than 20 on UCF. That's pretty crazy. That's insane. Yeah, that is pretty crazy. Uh, did you have anything else you wanted to hit from Temple? Because I didn't feel like no. you missed a ton. Nope. Okay. Right, I'm, turn ve- the page. I'm just going to preface this with I'm like very nervous about this East Carolina game and no one else in the world is. So I just really want to talk about that. So I'm like, well, well, we'll get to it, but I'm moderately concerned, but I'm very nervous about this game based on the things I'm about to say. When we talk about the ECU game, it's not going to seem like I am. Okay. It's going to seem like I'm nervous, but I mean, I just feel like it's good because you just told everyone that you are. You're coming off a game. ECU is just sandwiched at the worst time for a few different reasons. One, you're coming off this game where like UCF and the fan base and the players, everyone is just feeling themselves right now. UCF's open conference play with two blowout wins in two situations where no one was really expecting them to look as good as they did. They scored 70 freaking points. John Rice Plumlee had seven touchdowns, which shouldn't even be like possible and has looked amazing. The defense looks unstoppable. And now on the other side of East Carolina, you've got thinking you might host game day. And in the middle, you've got a game that now feels like an afterthought that in reality is probably like, no joke, maybe the toughest team UCF has faced so far this season. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand all that, but I don't think that's like, I don't think that's something that the players are going through. Like, I think it's very much like the fan bases look past the ECU game, but I just like don't buy into the fact that that, that the coaches are going to let that happen. I mean, I don't know. I like I, I like I agree like I, I've never understood the whole thing where people are like oh the players they're just looking ahead to the next game I'm like okay like they you know they go through a whole week of practice and prep like it's not like fans yeah. where you can just not care about a game and not read about it or whatever yeah but at the same time I do think it like obviously they can say whatever they want at the podium UCF and UCS players have had that Cincinnati game circled since last oh year. yeah that is the big game every year and I think players are on social media players understand that now there's the possibility they might be hosting game day players grow up dreaming about playing on game day that's a lot of distraction down. That's not the upcoming game. That's fair. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's one of those things that I feel like it puts like the onus on the coaching staff to even more just drill at home that like, Hey, that game's not going to mean nearly as much if we don't take care of business this week. And they know, I mean, I think the fact that this is their first, um, their first true like road atmosphere, they're going to face, like they know that they're facing a good team in what should be a pretty tough atmosphere. And I mean, that's like, that's the main thing that I think we're talking about here. That's our main storyline. But before we get into that, we'll just do record breakdowns. I mean, UCS five and one, two and oh in the AAC coming off their 70 to 13 win over Temple um, and ECU's four and three, two and two in the AAC. And they won their game on Saturday against Memphis, 47 to 45 and four overtimes. And it's a very uh, two, entertaining game, two point conversion ball at the end. Um, yeah, I hate that that's a thing now, but it was I still just, an entertaining game. So, yeah, no, it was. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is UCS played on the road once this year, and that was at FAU where they had a lot of their own fans. Um, and so it just, it wasn't one of those, like, it wasn't a, a road test. This is a real road test going to play a pretty good ECU team. Actually, I'd say way better than four and three. Yeah. They're a lot better than the record when they are good. Their atmosphere is very good. So I, I think it's going to mean it's a blackout that they're, they're pushing and, it's going to be, I think, a, a it's a night game. A night games always feel like on the road a big tough game. And I think UCF, even though they've had it down a couple of years, UCF still, especially as a team that's going to the Big Twelve and leaving the AAC, UCF kind of garners that like from opposing fan bases where it's like this is a, a big game. Yeah, and I, I think that's going to be that's going to play a part in it. So I mean, it, it is. It's it's a tough one. And last year, UCF didn't play well on the road. I know it was injuries and youth and all that, but. They've got to they've got to survive this one. 
Yeah. I mean, it's hard to like talk about last year's road record too much because it was, you know, it's a completely different team. It it is. It's a night and day different team, but it is still true that in the malls on era UCF went what one and four on the road last year. Um, You've got your only, I mean, we've talked about how great UCF start to the season has been going five and one. And I'm not trying to downplay that because that is great. Five and one's an awesome record and a record you love to have halfway through the season, but the schedule has worked out so weird that they have played one road game halfway through the season. It's one of those things that I didn't even like, I didn't think twice about until I was like, wow, that is kind of weird that they've only been on the road once and it was yeah. in the state. And I mean, we coming in all summer, we talked about how, how they only play outside the of the was. state. They only play outside of the state three times in the entire season, which is, it's a weird, it's a weird little quirk with the schedule, but yeah, no, I mean, it's one of those that like you, you do wonder where I, I just, I don't know. It, you wonder how much will go into it in terms of like, it's going to be a tough atmosphere, but as that's why I think always as, as always starting fast is going to be the key because you can take the crowd out of it, then you kind of just can feel you kind of feel yourself out a little bit better. Yeah, like it's just yeah, and, and it's just I don't know. I feel like a lot of UCF fans just kind of treat, uh, treating this as a game where it's just like, oh well, it's East Carolina, whatever. They're always bad. We're UCF, blah 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 blah. I mean, other than so, ECU's one bad result of the season is they lost to Navy in triple overtime. I think given what UCF did last year, we should not scoff too much at a team losing to Navy. And you look at the rest of the schedule; their other two losses were to top twenty-five teams. The offense has gone up and down, but when it's on, it's deadly. And their defense has just been flat out good. I mean, this is the best defense. This is the first like legitimate defense UCF's going to play in probably since Louisville. This is not an it's, easy game. It's one of those we. It's like one of those things where I think everybody's general attitude toward ECU is like, oh, I mean, it's ECU. Like UCF, Which I get, UCF has UCF's they beat them six times in, the, in a row. Yeah, the entire time UCF's been the AAC, East Carolina's been bad. So I get that, but that they they're not bad this year. They're better look than their. And look at the wider history, and it's ten to ten all time. Yeah. I'm worried about um, this game for all the reasons I'm saying, but <laughs> it's just, and it's one of those ones that's going to suck too. Cause I don't think the average fan is even remotely concerned about this game. Like from what I've seen on Twitter, people are more or less just looking past it. Like, Oh, nice. We'll go get that road win. I'm like, and that might be the case. Like as we'll get into here, if the offense looks like how it's looked the last couple of games, if John Rice Plumley continues to be amazing, John Rice Plumley throwing, you know, hitting receivers and stride downfield, throwing accurate balls, extending plays, then yeah, this game should necessarily not be close, but at the same time, there's just a lot of factors at play here that I feel like most fans aren't considering that could quickly make this a scary game. That's, and that's the line that I'm trying to walk with myself is like, I am moderately concerned about it. And I I'm like trying to give ECU the respect that it deserves because they have been a good team and they can give UCF problems, but I still feel like UCF has figured some stuff out and that it just feels like one of those where, I'm expecting them to kind of continue on on the path that they're on, um, and I mean, obviously, it's a it'd be a, it could be a roadblock in their in their journey toward the end of the season. But I'm trying to like manage that where I'm like, yeah, like I feel a lot better about UCF than I did even two weeks ago. Um, well, yeah, because they've looked good the last but, two weeks, and like, and I feel like they've finally kind of gotten over that little bit of like inconsistency these those inconsistency issues, but still wanting to acknowledge that yeah, I mean, this is still a tough game. So like, even if I'm you know, not trying to spoil my score prediction or anything, but even if I'm getting my score prediction and I'm predicting a big win, it's not because I just think this is going to be an easy game. Yeah. And if, I'm not saying that, that makes any sense. I, it sort of does. I mean, I get what you're saying. I, I, it's well, I mean, like I, SMU, like SMU, they blew out, but like I going into that game, I didn't think it was gonna be an easy game. Well, yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Like UCF could blow out East Carolina. I, I that's not like a thing that's not on the table. I think that very much could happen. I, I, I think that it could very easily be a lopsided score. And the point more I'm trying to make is that, that is far from a given. That is yeah. far from a given. And I think a lot of the fans are, and, and you know, I get, it's not like fans are going to influence what happens in the game, but it's like 
a lot of fans just sort of seem to think this is just kind of an off week. It's just like FAU. Oh, we're going to go beat him. Then we'll be back for Cincinnati. And it's like this. I mean, let me ask you just, do you trust John Rice Plumley? Let's go back to the Plumley bashing because I know it's everyone's favorite part of our podcast. And that's not even what I'm doing here, but just a- answer the question. Do you trust John Rice Plumley right now? Right now, yes. So this is where I'm hung up because he has looked superb for basically what the last six quarters at this point. He's looked really, yeah. really good. And what scares me is it does not make sense. It makes absolutely no, I mean, look at where JRP has gotten better. He suddenly can extend plays with his legs. He suddenly keeps his eyes downfield. He suddenly reads the field very well. He suddenly throws these amazing downfield passes. And it's not like he was incrementally improving. It was like a switch flipped and suddenly he was great. And that making so little sense to me has me freaked out that it could flip back because there is no logic. Like those are not things that quarterbacks randomly get good at out of nowhere. So I don't understand if it was a confidence issue. I don't understand if it's a better relationship with the receivers. I, I, I don't understand why that happened. And that concerns me because I'm like, what's stopping it from just flipping back the other way? Yeah, I mean, I think it could be a combination of all those things, like more time with the receivers, more confidence, feeling comfortable in the offense, all that stuff. And yeah, I mean, there's still like the, the slight, there's the possibility that, that that JRP that we saw against against Louisville, against uh, Georgia Tech is still in there. But if you look at like the wider six game sample size now, we'll get to the the his stat. I mean, he's thrown for 300 yards in four of those games, which is, I mean, yeah, you got to take some of the opponents. Do you want to just start with that stat? Sure. Let's go ahead and start Let's with that stat. With that. So ECU has allowed 300 plus passing yards in back-to-back games. And John Rice Plumley has thrown for 300 plus passing yards in back-to-back games. And he's done so in four out of six games this season. Obviously the only ones he didn't do that against were Louisville and then the 49 passing yard game against Georgia Tech. Oh, the Georgia Tech game. What a time. Yeah. I mean, when you look at it like that, this should just feel it that you read that set and you're like, oh, this should be easy. The offense should just cruise and that's that. But East Carolina, you look at them, they're allowing 24 points per game on the season, right about 24 points per game. You take away the Memphis game, which went to overtime and threw on extra 17 points. They were only allowing 21. I mean, I mean, I'm, I honestly think that other than maybe Louisville, this is the toughest defense they're going to play. And that scares me because I, against SMU and Temple, UCF's offenses looked so much better and it's looked elite. But those were still both bad defenses. SMU's defense is bad. Temple is obviously not good. I, I just it, it, I don't know. I'm just not sure what which version of the offense is going to come out. I want to believe what we've been saying, that they turned the corner, that John Rice has figured stuff out. And that very well could be the case. I, I mean, I really do think there's a chance UCF just comes in here and blows them out. But I don't know. Well, I, wanted, I do want to acknowledge, too, though, coming into last week's game, and I know Temple had played literally the bottom of the barrel, but their defense was I thought that was going to be good defense and so I don't know necessarily they have a horrible defense like I think obviously their defense isn't as bad as giving up 70 points I don't think it's as good as holding other teams to 14 or 16 points but I don't necessarily know that's a bad defense I think things just kind of spiral out of control saying that I still think ECU probably has a better defense but I don't want to like because I know last week we spent a lot of last week's podcast talking about you know this is one of the better defenses that UCF will face this year and then they've scored 70 on them so. Yeah, but we also, it's not like we were sitting here like, oh, Temple has some elite defense. I mean, we were very clear that we weren't really sure what to make of Temple's defense because of the level of competition. They yeah, played. to an extent. And well, more than to an extent. I mean, their schedule was not good. And we talked I know, about I, but we, I know I'm saying we acknowledge that. But we did acknowledge the fact that they did. I mean, that's that was they've always been a defensive driven team and that's been kind of their thing. So, I mean, I, I think there was a little bit of both in that last week. Yeah, I so I just I don't know. But again, this is back to ECU. I think ECU does have a better defense. And this is honestly, I don't know. I don't know what to make. And it's it's hard to even look back on some of those games like 
is Louisville's was Louisville's defense that good? Like, are is Louisville really that good of a defense? I don't even know what I mean. The no Louisville sense. game, and I oh God, I just want to knock on wood when, when I say this. The farther we move from the game, the more that feels like a fluke performance for UCF than Louisville being a really good team. And that doesn't make it better by yeah. any means. But we've talked, I mean, even the very best teams have clunkers and it felt it's felt more in hindsight. Like that was just UCF's like clunker of a game where things just didn't go well. Yeah. And I hate none of the I'm, things we were concerned about from that game really became season trends. Yeah. And I hate to do like the, I don't know. I feel like this is, comes off as cheap, but like, they play that game again right now. I just have no worries. Oh, about I hate it. that. Don't it's, say it's so that. stupid. Don't say that. <laughs> it's so dumb, but I legitimately don't like it. Cause and we talk about it too. Like college football, you play a game a hundred times. You're going to get a lot of different vari- variations of results. That just, I don't know. That just doesn't feel like this version of the UCF team that we're seeing right now. It's just like hard to believe that was the same one we saw play Louisville. Well, it's all come down to John Rice Plumley, and it's a few things because I, I mean, well, it's and more the offensive line. It, I was about to say it's more than John Rice Plumley. It is the <laughs> O line. And Gus kind of was talking about in his presser today on Monday and he's right that you know they had they moved moved some folks around on the o-line brought some new folks in and that unit just took time to gel that unit has more or less looked fine since yeah. the early games of the season so that you you play the game now that's different John Rice Plumley, I still don't understand why but he's great now and I don't know if it's confidence <laughs> or oh god I don't know what it is if you guys can't figure out I'm like having just like chronic anxiety about John Rice Plumley now because I just I want to believe that we can trust him and he's great now but I hate that we can't figure out what changed I went to when I like when I met you at your house for the post game podcast. They like you got out of the car. I was expecting it to be like, oh, like that was a fun game. You were like shaking your head, and I was like, what's what's going on? And you're like, I don't understand. And I was like, all right, so this is the mood that we're in. Um, I'm sorry. I know everyone else is just celebrating, (laughs) and I want to too. And and honestly, if he does it one more time, if he comes out against East Carolina and looks how he's looked the last six quarters, I'll be like, okay, we're good. But it's just. Every time it like teams get better and teams get worse. That happens every season, but you can usually peg pretty easily what's happening there. And for John Rice to go from a guy that basically just could not throw the ball downfield successfully at all and struggled to read the field and made poor choices to go to this guy who the pocket starts to collapse. He dances around, scans the whole field, finds Bowser on the check down, calmly steps back, chucks a perfect in stride ball to Kobe Hudson. I, I just, I don't get what switch, like that doesn't make sense. I don't get what happened. The only like logical explanation I can come down to is confidence, I guess. I don't just, know. Yeah, I guess just comfort. Just feeling confidence. more comfortable in the offense. I mean, Gus hey, just keeps saying what, it's slowed down for him, which slowed just isn't a real him. thing. So I don't it's know. Slowed down know. for him. He's more comfortable. He's confident now. We're I, talking I about think that's the that's... go-to coach comment. Well, the game slowed down for him. Yeah, Brian Kelly said the same thing about Jay and Daniel out of the Florida game. He was like, "I mean, yeah, it's just it's coming at him really slow right now." Like, dang it, why couldn't it's it such a weird way to phrase earlier? that he's just calmer and reading the field better? Like, I don't know why we have to go for a slow down. That's the thing in every sport. That's a big basketball thing too. So it's like, yeah. oh, you know, isn't it a baseball thing too? It's like, oh, the, the pitches are coming in slower now. I don't know. I don't know if I, I've heard that as much, means, but means nothing. But anyway, the, I, it, that's up, what's freaking me out. Is I wrapping don't understand up that stat like, in the last two games um, against Tulane, ECU lost twenty-four to nine, and they allowed Michael Pratt to throw for three hundred and twenty-six yards and two touchdowns on twenty-seven of thirty-four passing. That's an efficient game. Yeah. Um, and then la- last week against Seth Hennigan in Memphis again, like you mentioned, a four overtime win for ECU, but Hennigan threw for four hundred and seven yards and two touchdowns on 27 of 37 passing i think he had two picks too um and that's that's the key like knock on wood thing too is that john rice Plumley's not turning the ball over right now yeah so that's been I'll huge do the knock on wood thing or i guess this is glass that i'm knocking on here i'm I have knocking wood. On the, the base I have of wood. my desk there's wood um 
but yeah, no, it'll be interesting to see because it seems like they are susceptible to the the passing game right now. And we'll see if UCF can continue to have that kind of passing game after it looks like that didn't exist for them. Um, and I think UCF what, having more options is going to help that too. Cause I mean, now that Kobe Hudson actually like defenses have to account for him, that's helpful. Yeah. Um, you know, Ryan, Ryan O'Keefe's really, I didn't really talk about Ryan O'Keefe has really been popping off these last couple games after kind of a slow start to the season. Four, so. four touchdowns in the last two games. I think two 100 yard receiving games. I think did he have, did he have hundred yards against uh, SMU? I Pretty sure he did. did. Either that or he came um, close. But yeah, no, he's, he's looking, he, he probably did. Cause he had that 58 yard or yep. 52 yard passing touchdown, quote unquote. Um, which way do you want to go next with these stats? Cause we went out of order here. Do you want to go, do you want to go with ECU's passing game or running game? Let's go with running game because that's the most emphatic point I want to make on this podcast. Okay. So ECU's running back Keaton Mitchell. Very, very good. Um, he's rushed for 100 plus yards three times this season. And ECU is three and zero in those games. When he doesn't rush for 100 plus yards, ECU is zero and three. He missed the game against USF, so that's why it's, it doesn't line up with how many games they've played. Okay, um, so yeah, let me just say I can't explain to our listeners why this is the case, but I have watched at least a half of I think four different East Carolina games this year. And I that's don't know why explain. that's the case. You just like college football. You talk about it all the time. I do, but there's a lot of games on. Like I was on ESPN. I watched the South. I watched at least half of the South Florida game on ESPN Plus, and I don't. Okay, know that why. is weird. I don't know. I, and we watched basically the entire NC State game together. Yeah. I watched most of Tulane. I watched most of Memphis. Uh, but anyway, all of that is to say that all everything I bet I you didn't watch about, them play Campbell. Sure didn't. <laughs> everything I just said about John Rice Plumley. Everything I just said about the offense. Throw it all out the window. Just chuck it out. Here is what the game is. If UCF stops Keaton Mitchell, they will win the game. If UCF does not stop Keaton Mitchell, they will lose the game. And that is it. I am dead serious. That is the game. And that's what it's going to come down to. Well, the good news for UCF is they have not allowed a running back to rush for 100 yards this season. So we're good. They have a lot of quarterback to do it. But... <laughs> I was going to say, I think Malik Cunningham. Uh... <laughs> yeah, they haven't allowed a running back uh, to run for 100 yards. I mean, obviously, they've given up more than 100 yards collectively to backfields, quarterbacks, everything. Sure. Um, but, but really, no... though, you look at, I mean, because you think you should, you know, we talked about Holt Naylor saw him last year. But when you watch their team, I mean, the offense runs through Mitchell. And when he's going, the offense is going. And obviously, you have to account for Holt Naylor's. I mean, he's a, he's a dynamic quarterback, I guess you can say. But. He More also less, sort of yeah. he also is really good at canceling himself out. Like for every spectacular play, he's going to do something really stupid. But and we'll get there, and we sure will get there. But I, I just for me, it really and like I said, we shouldn't even be that worried about this because the defense has done very well against the run this year, and hopefully they can contain him. The D line is great, but if he gets going, that like if early in that game, Keaton Mitchell is popping off, getting like a thirty yard run, forty yard run, scoring a touchdown, something like that. That's when I'm going to sit back and be like, okay, this is going to be a game. That's what's going to freak me out. So. Yeah, yeah, that, that is the good thing I think for UCF is that they've been good against the run for the most part, and yeah, I mean it's one. I don't of those know if things, they like, faced there's... a running back this good though. As part of that, um, yeah, I don't know that they have really. I like SMU's running backs, um, but yeah, no, I don't think they faced one this good just yet. Um, but as we were talking about Holton Nailers, who you know obligatory, you know his dad is the PA announcer, um, and he's been what? this is his fifth. This is his fifth year, um, fifth or sixth. I don't know. He's played. So this is the stat. He's played UCF four times in his career and has thrown an interception in every game. Yeah. So, and none of those interceptions have been like, none of those interceptions have been like astounding UCF defensive plays. It's more just been Holt Naylor's being like, I'm just going to like throw this up in the air and see what happens. So I have his stat lines from all four games against UCF. If you would like them, I would very much like it. 
Okay, so 2018, um, UCF won 37 to 10. That was the game that Mac Daryl Mac yep. started. That we Darryl were just Mac like, played. oh wait, he's starting. Um, Holton Aylers went 29 of 53 for 406 yards, a touchdown, and an interception, and he carried the ball 27 times for 69 yards. That's which uh, is just that, that's a recipe that, for success right there. If that tells you, you know, ECU scored 10 points. That was it was a weird game. So I remember they got down to the goal line. I think they fumbled at the goal line. Just a bunch of weird things happened. A lot of that did come in garbage time. But what does it so, say about Holt Nailers that that stat was from a game from four years ago? And if you told me that was the stat line for the Memphis game from three days ago, I would have believed you. <laughs> I mean, yeah, pretty accurate. Uh, so 2019 UCF won 41 to 28. I don't remember it being that close. Did they score a garbage time touchdown? They a garbage game? time touchdown. Okay, because I don't remember it being a 13 point game. UCF or Peter um, Black Peter that game. Rest in peace. He Peter. went 23 and 37 or 23 of 37. For 313 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. Uh, 15 carries, 47 yards, and a touchdown. It's not bad. Um, More or less again, identical to his 18 performance. A lot of it, a lot of this stuff comes in garbage time because UCF's been going up early on him. 2020, uh, UCF won 51 to 28. He went 14 of 29 for 215 yards, three touchdowns, the most touchdowns he's thrown against UCF and probably his worst game. An interception, 12 carries for 55 yards. And then last year, UCF won 20 to 16. He went 20 of 32 for 219 yards, a touchdown and an interception, seven carries, negative one yards. So I don't contain, think I mean, he didn't do anything with his legs last year. Obviously, we've talked about Holden Naylor or we've talked about, excuse me, can't believe I did that. We've talked about John Rice bubbling. Then we've talked about the offense and consistency issues. I think that Holden Naylor's is arguably the most consistent quarterback in college football because he has been the exact same player for five years. I, and I mean the exact same player. There was no differentiation in those stat lines. Like there was no sign of, oh, he's really put it together. He's it's really... genuinely impressive, I think. He's so consistent. Because he's not bad. He's not bad. He's, he's not exactly great. He's exactly the same quarterback he was five years ago. And that is a quarterback who's good, but, you know, does some things. That's yeah. it. <laughs> I mean, UCF could probably pull up his 2018 tape and find something useful from it. I mean, that's how consistent he's been. It's really astounding, but... We'll see if UCF's secondary can get. I, I mean, UCF really hasn't been generating a ton of interceptions this year, which I guess isn't super surprising from the way the defense is set up. But I'm curious. They if, haven't. Curious they haven't. if Do you know how many gonna... they have. Okay, I don't. Um, can I guess? Let me think. Um, Let me think. Let me I'm think. looking for it myself, so oh, well, you can okay. guess. I'm I trying to think. I, had it. I feel like they had one against SC State. Um, um, I don't remember any against FAU. I'm gonna say three. So let's see. Here we are. We're on defense. Okay. So Devon Wilson has two. Okay. And that's it. Oh, I was one <laughs> off. I was very close. Yeah. And, and um, one of those so... really doesn't even count because it was Tanner Mordecai just throwing a Hail Mary to the end zone yeah. at the half in the SMU game. So yeah, UCF yeah. really just has not been picking off the ball. But hey, is there a better is there a better relief for a team that has not been recording interceptions than for them to play Holton Aylers? Watch them just intercept him like four times. <laughs> like I feel like I, I don't think they will because it's like, but he's just he's every game I've ever watched of his, he's always good for at least one throw a game that makes absolutely no sense. And most of the time it's a it's a throw that the defense can easily take advantage of. So I I bet they'll pick him off. We'll see. Um all right. You want to jump into our predictions now? I don't yeah, let's you do have it. our records, right? I don't have I am a remarkable six and twelve, and you are eight and ten. I'm I'm you really told me missing that I was... last year. You told me that I was killing you this year. It's like a two game, like a two prediction difference. Two games. Yeah, but we, like prediction for like three, three weeks running, it's like I go one and two, you go two and one. So like the gap is spreading. I mean, you're you're almost at five hundred, and I'm just having a rough year. So I'm really, 
I need a good stat pad week. So that's what I'm going for here. So we I hate that you do this. We can get into, what, what do you mean? I, I just, you know, I hate that you do this. All right. Um, all right. You Let's go. Let's hear your first stat padding one. Okay. UCF will win the game. That's not real. That is my first stat. That's a real prediction? My first prediction. My first prediction is that UCF will win the game. That's a real prediction. Yeah. I think it's kind of gutsy given everything I've said on this podcast. That's what the score predictions are for. <laughs> Well, I, you know, we've spoiled our score predictions and uh, predictions before. Yeah, not by making the actual prediction. No, my first one is that UCF will win the game. For everything I just You're said. ridiculous. For human. everything I just said. Hold on, Bailey, I'm trying to explain my prediction, please. Give me the floor. <laughs> for everything I've just said, I think UCF has a lot more talent. I think that the offense can basically not alleviate my concerns and the defense will still do what it's meant to do against this type of offense. I think it all comes down to Keaton Mitchell. I think this D-line and this defense will shut them down, and I think that's that. So I think UCF should win this game. I think if things spiral like Temple, it can be a big win, but I don't know if it's going to be. Okay. So what's your first prediction? Um, one that's a little more specific. Uh, Javon Baker's going to score a touchdown. Okay. He hasn't scored one in three games. Yeah, Rhino keeps taking the lead on receiving touchdowns, which is kind um, of surprising given where we started. Kobe Hudson has tied him. Oh, I didn't know that. Wait. I thought last, week was, last week were the only two that he scored, right? Rhino Keith? Both, no, Rhino Hudson. Got, oh, yeah, yeah. Hudson has his first touchdown. Yeah, time, Hudson right? has tied Javon Baker. Javon oh, Baker I thought you meant scored... he tied Rhino Keith, and I was really confused. No, no, no. no, Javon Baker hasn't scored a touchdown since the FAU game. And I know he had a bit, bit of an ankle issue in the Temple game. I made, made sure before I made this prediction that Gus – I watched Gus's press conference, and it still is risky because he said, like, he probably could have come back in the game against Temple. They were just up and they kind of just wanted to manage him that he seems fine, but they'll take it day by day. So like he was both, he's both saying like, yeah, he's fine. And also, Oh, we'll see day by day. So I don't like, I felt okay making this prediction, but if he doesn't play, I'm really upset. Um, But yeah, I mean, he's just too good to not score a touchdown again if he does play. Yeah, I think so. And I don't think as you just said, I mean, Gus made very clear this. I I think he didn't play against Temple just because there was no reason for him to come back in the game. I yeah. mean, by the time he got hurt, I think they were up like 35-13 or something. It was like, we'll be okay. You can just take yeah. this one easy. Yeah, so that's my first one. Yep. And we'll see. Your second one. Uh, my second prediction is that John Rice will, will start lose the at game. quarterback <laughs> for UCF. <laughs> this is not a real thing. No, that's not happening. Real. That's okay. not real. Uh, I just wanted to They're see how mad you ECU get ECU will lose the game. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just... <laughs> that would have actually been like the perfect way to go. Just like make sure I'm hitting like somewhere. <laughs> one of the teams on the field will come away with a win. Um, my second prediction is that UCF's offense will come back down to earth from last week and is going to have stretches where it struggles. Okay. And I'm not saying that like they're going to lose or that JRP is going to look bad. I just think that this is, this is a legit defense. And even 20, like, unless you're 2017, 2018 UCF, it's hard to just look awesome for four quarters. And I feel like fans are just sort of expecting them to once again, look awesome for four quarters. Like if they score like 45 points, is that coming back down to earth? Yes, from 70. No, oh I would God. not. I would not count that as a win for me if they scored. Okay. I, that should have been I, that's absolutely what I should have. UCF will score fewer points than they did against us. Like, no, like I'm meaning more. I'm game. meaning more in the like low 30s to high 20s range is what I would consider coming back down to earth. Okay. All right. Um, and then my second one is that UCF's streak of holding opponents under 20 points, um, which we mentioned earlier in the podcast, was nine at nine now. Um, my prediction is that that will come to an end. That was also my final prediction. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. 
Wow, look at us. Wow. We don't usually match up with exact predictions. That's kind of yeah, because like normally we have like a general, like, oh yeah, that's kind of close to mine. And like we kind of end up rooting for the same thing. And I'm not I'm not rooting for this one to come true. No, I'm not but either. I just think it's going this might to. be partially because we both have like discussed that stat at length like throughout the day. Like I feel like it's come up like three separate times, so it could be part of it. But yeah. Uh, um can no, I no, give I myself think... a bonus one now since I since we're matching up? Like, can I just throw myself an extra one to stat no. pad a little bit? Why not? No, because then we're gonna have to like have we're gonna have awkward records. I want us to continue to have like the same records, unless you want to count me also saying UCF will win the game as a prediction. I feel like then you we'll should have... go with UCF will lose. No, so because that's can. not my score prediction. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm just I don't like. So if you guys didn't listen last year, like I crushed Bailey in this. Like I my my record wasn't good, but it was it like, was like to a point where like it wasn't even like th- we're talking about it right now being a competition way more than we did at all last year. Because it wasn't a competition. Yeah, like last year was like, start. oh, we'll do our predictions and we'll just keep our records for fun. Now you're like, yeah. I need to make these dumb predictions to come back in this competition. Because I just, my issue in life is I'm a <laughs> deeply competitive person. And it's been like, it's been nagging at me for a couple of weeks now that I'm just further and further falling behind in this. So yeah. I'm root for UCF to lose just to spite you. <laughs> just so I go down, just so I don't get Like, yes, Christian's prediction. prediction was wrong. My um, one prediction I almost did, but I thought you would be too mad, is that UCF will not wear pewter or anthracite in this game. <laughs> this podcast is going to be i'm gonna end it um <laughs> okay so wait okay we need my last one um yeah. this one i feel like is a little risky but it shouldn't be i don't think if UCF, as long as ucf no as long as ucf wins the game but the prediction is that ucf will be ranked in the top 25 oh after after this so game. this is interesting because they're so they're 28th in the ap poll for those who don't know and they came a lot closer than i would have guessed off the temple game to getting ranked that's the hey guys yeah. who complain about weeknight games that's why you do that and the idea, like, it is very difficult. The idea that they could go from zero votes to in the top 25 in two weeks is by playing Temple in East Carolina is crazy. And I'm kind of with you there. I think if they, unless it's very tight, if they win big, I think they'll be in. What I meant to do was to go and see who's like kind of toward the bottom of the top 25 and see who they play and if they're yeah, at risk of losing. And I didn't do that. But top 25 teams lose every week. So, like, I feel like it's just there's. So, here's what will really seal it is if. UCF wins and then set whether people are paying attention or not. And then late Saturday night, while everyone's filling out their ballots, college game day tweets, we're going to Orlando. Yeah. All, all these voters will be like, huh? They'll look be like, oh, wow, UCF six and one. Yeah, I'll throw them my ballot. And then UCF will okay. suddenly be like 18th. Mississippi State's going to drop out because they're playing Alabama. Okay. They'll be out. Um, who does Tulane play? Do you know? Uh, I don't feel like they're going to lose whoever it is they play. I can have it um, in like half a second. They play Memphis. They could lose to Memphis. They I don't could, think they, they will, but they could realistically lose it. Um, NC State's kind of in a free fall right now. Um, they lost their quarterback. They play Virginia. Oh no, they don't. Wait, what? They don't play this week, so never mind. Okay. What about North Carolina? North Carolina. The way I'm doing this is just so dumb. Um, North Carolina plays Pitt. Pitt. And possible. How's Pitt doing? I don't. Even, I haven't thought about Pitt in a few weeks. But they're doing. They're <laughs> they're doing. Um, Texas at number twenty faces. Uh, Oklahoma State. Oh, Oklahoma State. I think Oklahoma State will beat Texas. Yeah. So there's there's some teams in the from the twenty to twenty. Cincinnati. Cincinnati, Cincinnati could lose. Absolutely to could lose. We're not rooting for that anymore, but uh, um, could happen. So yeah, it's it's um. Wait a minute. Oh, this is annoying. I'm looking at ESPN, and it's the top twenty five, the AP top twenty five, and they have UCF as 29th because they listed South Carolina in front of UCF. <laughs> they well, have the same dumb. number of votes. That's just South Carolina has thirteen votes. I couldn't even tell you what South Carolina's record is, to be honest Me neither. with you. I haven't heard a thing about them all season. 
That seems interesting. No, I don't want to look at the South Carolina gubernatorial election. There we go. Um, you know? Here we go. They're four and two. Why are they getting votes? At what? Oh, they've, <laughs> they've won three in a row. And, and against two, who? Charlotte, SC State, and Kentucky. Oh, they beat Kentucky. That's just a classic, like, they're in the SEC, because that does not make sense. I did not realize they beat Kentucky the other night. Yeah, no, but so was, what? Was that the other night? No, that was two weeks ago. Was it? Where was I? October uh-huh. 8th. Yeah, that was two weeks ago. This is peak podcasting right now. We're just trying to remember where we were two weeks ago. Yeah, that's but, great. Yeah, um, that one doesn't make sense. Yes. Okay, should I go first? Oh, no, wait. What I was going to say, sorry. UCF's going to be ranked. They haven't been ranked since, if I looked at this right, they haven't been ranked since losing to Tulsa in 2020 when they dropped from 11 yeah. to out of the top 25. 11 to unranked. Yeah. Uh, also, like, look, looking a little bit ahead here, if Cincinnati, whether UCF wins or not, if Cincinnati beats SMU and comes to the bounce house ranks, UCF's most recent top 25 win is game day. Yeah. Um. And then the other thing, too, I was going to say was I looked this up and it was nice to the coaches poll to leave UCF at 25 after they lost to Tulsa that year. But then they lost to uh, in Memphis and they were, they were out immediately. But yeah. going, from 11, going from 11 to out of the out of the top 25 is 2020 kind of feels like a fever dream in some ways. That felt like to me like a season where you could really tell that UCF had finally made it. The fact that they got as high as 11th and finished with six wins. That's a really like they started at 14th, didn't they? Something like that. Yeah, but it was a little because remember the AP Big 10 wasn't cut all the Big 10 teams, uh, the Big 10 teams and the Pac 12 teams because they weren't starting the season right away. And then they added them in late. It was a weird year, but it was either way. All right. Score prediction time. Yes. My score prediction after everything I just said is 34 to 24 UCF. I think yeah, it's going to be close throughout the game. I don't think it's going to be a blowout for UCF, and I think they'll pull away late, but that's what I'm going with. So if you'll recall earlier, I said that I fully acknowledge this is a tough game. Oh, um, but I have UCF winning 45 to 21. I like yours more. So do I. I prefer that happen. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's funny. <laughs> my, my prediction of they'll give up more than 20. It's just 21. Like, it's just, it's just 21. It's still, it's still the stat. I mean, yeah, no, it, it breaks it breaks the streak, which I don't want to happen. I want that streak to just live on. It'd it's be, actually really so, easy, though, because if that's if that happens, then we just change it to UCF hasn't allowed more than 21 points in 11 months. <laughs> that's, that's okay. easy fix. Sure. That's barely a difference. Yeah, it's one point because um, it is kind of weird at this point. It's like, oh, it's I haven't allowed more than 20 because they allowed 20 to Louisville. So yeah. it is it is kind of weird as it is. It is yeah, ridiculous I don't know. that UCF held a power five to 20 points and lost the game. I'm just not going to get over that one eight times. <laughs> I hated that game. It was not um, fun. Yeah, not great. But no, I, I don't know. I just, like I said earlier, it's just, I feel good about where they are right now. It's hard not to feel good. I don't want to get like into, you know, delusional land, which I'm trying to fight against. But I don't know. I just feel like they've kind of figured some things out on offense. I just trust their defense to do what the defense does. And that's a pretty comfortable win. If they can come away with a 45 21 oh, yeah. win, I'll feel so good. I'd sign up for that right now. I think the main yeah. difference between you and me, and I'm hoping you end up being right, and you very well could be, is you're just sold on the offense at this point. I'm still scared, I guess. Yeah. I'm not not true. sold. I'm just hesitant to believe that this turnaround was permanent. Because at the as, end of the day, what we're talking about is a game and a half. Yeah. So we'll see. It's true. And as I referenced earlier, I, mean, maybe, I don't know, maybe this is going to have an effect on the game. It's uh, the kicking, comp- the kicking competition, the kicking game. Um, UCF hasn't had to worry about it as much, knock on wood, with uh, Colton Boomer in there. He is 19 of 20 on extra points and 7 of 7 on field goals. And like I mentioned earlier, ECU's kicker is 20 of 25 on extra points, and he's 5 of 8 on field goals. The one thing I will say there is Colton Boomer hasn't had to kick in a legitimate road environment yet in his career. That's true. 
So I don't know how much that matters, but it doesn't, he doesn't seem like somebody that would get rattled, but I guess any he seems very, he seems like a very, very confident human. And I don't know if there's a football <laughs> position you want to have a very, very confident human at more than a kicker. Cause then it just kind of works out. Yeah, no, it, it works out really well. Um, we can jump into the football news now. And I think we've spoiled, I think two of the four things that I have to say here. Um, UCF being number 27 in the early equivalent of number 27 in the coaches poll and number 28 in the AP poll. Um, John Rice Plumley, who had the seven touchdown game last week, was named a Manning Award Star of the Week. A, he was on the Davey O'Brien Awards Great Eight list again for the second time this season. And he was the AAC Offensive Player of the Week. Um, I can't say I'm surprised by any of that. I, I was I was honestly, and I don't know what this says about me, but like I started, I was like, oh, it's Monday around 11 a.m. I was like, I'm, the AAC Awards are probably out. I went started scrolling on the AAC's football's account, ready to be mad that it wasn't going to be him. <laughs> And then it was him. And I was like, okay, cool. I don't know why. I just expected well, them to. I, I mean, I did too. I mean, he put up seven touchdowns. Like, that's not a whole No, lot, I was, not, I not was ready to be mad that it wasn't him. Like, yeah. I, I was just. Oh, for some you reason, thought it was, was not going to be him. I thought for some reason they were just going to pick somebody else. I was like, how did they overlook John Rice going okay. for seven touchdowns? But then it was him. And I was like, okay, yeah, it should be good. Good job, AAC. Um, the other thing, as you mentioned earlier, the Cincinnati game with the potential for game day. Um, it's going to kick off at noon or three 30 on ESPN or ABC. And we'll know that Saturday night. It's a weird thing too, because the ECU games at seven 30. So I don't know how late we'll like, will we know after the game? Probably. I'm curious about that too. I think, didn't that happen with the FA game the day, Georgia Tech uh, game? Well, let, Georgia me, Tech... let me just say that game day often announces that night, but they don't always, they've announced Sunday morning before. Oh, they, so. and they announced, they announced the Navy or no, the Navy one when UCF beat Navy in 2018, when they announced they were going to UCF, didn't they do that really, really late on Saturday night? Yeah, I think so. It was. So, I, I think I woke up to the news. I don't think I was awake. When I think I happened. stayed up waiting for the news. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I don't know. It's it's interesting because I think for the FAU game earlier this year, I think since that was a seven, was that a seven thirty game? I think the Georgia Tech. I think the Georgia Tech time came out late after that game. If I'm, I think, well, maybe not. I don't know. Anyway, we'll find out Saturday night or early Sunday morning. Um, and then the final thing is unsurprising. Uh, UCF space game uniforms were named Uni Swags uniform of the week, as they should have been. Damn right, they were the best space uniforms ever. Other fan bases are not so happy. I don't uh, care. That's the way it goes. Um, we do not care. Yeah, Utah fans mostly because they were wearing the helmets uh, commemorating their two uh, their two players who were killed. Um, oh i didn't so, even see that yeah they like they've had they had two i forget the story so i don't want to like give it they had two different players on their team who in separate incidents were killed by gun violence basically and they were best oh friends gosh. it's a really horrible story but so utah fans are pretty upset that their helmet did not get number one and i sympathize because that's an awesome story but you know was, i didn't even see that i'm trying to look at, i'm trying to look them up on the fly right now this is again great podcasting yeah we're just now we're just looking up uniforms whoa so like they actually had the players on them. Yeah, it was like they, it was it was like the moon helmets. They were like hand painted helmets with the players. Oh, that inside, is so. actually really cool. Yeah. Wow. Um, Uni Swag determined that UCF space uniforms were cooler, so that's wow. the way it goes. But I'm not gonna like really go after Utah for being upset because that is a pretty yeah, cool no, helmet dude. and a pretty you know terrible story and a cool thing to honor. But yeah, UCF does wow. get the win, so UCF is eligible for uniform of the year now. Have you figured winning. out your your space game rankings? Space game uniform? Rankings? Yeah, this is number one. I, this yeah, is definitely I, number one. I think that's fair to say. This one's number one for me. I just don't know if I've worked out the other ones. 
I, well, we've talked about this. My list changes nonstop. I have a really hard time with it because as I said in the past podcast, so I didn't need to repeat, like I like them all for very different reasons. I yeah. like they, they've all, and that's what is so cool about how UCF does it is uniforms have real meaning. It's not just like, let's throw a bunch of galaxies on here and be like space. <laughs> like yeah. they're so intricate. And so it's hard. It's hard to pick. Yeah, it really is. Um, we'll jump into game of the week now. And we're back on to UCF volleyball. Who's 15 and one, seven and one in the AAC. Broke out some out. nice Citronauts uniforms. Yep. The space game uniforms. I'm still. I don't understand. They they dropped the video and then never had a follow up okay, tweet. With okay, okay. That really bothered me because one of my things I love about UCF is my biggest pet peeve in the world with uniforms is when a team like drops a really cool uniform and releases like a hype video with a bunch of like flashing lights and like seizure inducing like graphics and doesn't like and then doesn't show the uniform. And UCF never does that. They release a very cool hype video and they immediately follow it with one of those graphic things they put up or a bunch of stills or whatever. You see a volleyball tweet a video where you could not even remotely make up the uniforms and was just like, yeah, <laughs> and that was it. And like, well, you gotta never watch, gotta watch the game tomorrow. I literally had to turn on the game to see them, which whatever, I like watching UCF volleyball. And even during the game, they were using photos from a past game where they weren't wearing the uniforms for the graphics. So oh strange. Gosh. Yeah. Um, but anyway, they return at play at home on Wednesday at 7 p.m. hosting USF, USF 7 and 11, 1 and 5 in the AAC. Doesn't feel game of the week worthy, right? Okay, there's two reasons I'm doing this. <laughs> One, UCF is looking for its 19th straight win over USF. They haven't lost them in volleyball since August of 2012. And the other reason is UCF volleyball doesn't lead the AAC right now. Houston's very, and Houston beat them. Houston's very, very good. And they're on top of the AAC. So, I mean, obviously this is a game you don't expect UCF to lose and they have to win it and kind of keep pace with Houston and kind of set up. I think they play Houston in the last game of the season. So see if they can repeat as AAC champions. But yeah, that USF was, stat is absurd. I was alarmed at the Ten years. Uh, AAC volleyball standings. Yeah, it's fine. They'll be fine. I mean, sure. it's funny though, because they don't have the tournament anymore, right? They just named the uh, best team. Yeah, I'm so. pretty sure because I think UCF was a big proponent of that because of, they just, yeah, of not having a tournament because they just trash everybody every year. So it was like, what's the point? And now that suddenly it's an issue. Yeah, Which UCF, UCF volleyball has looked ridiculous. So I'm I'm sure they'll be fine. But they're seven and one in AAC play. Houston's eight and zero, oh, and so they'll be know. fine. I don't know they'll what it fine. comes down to at the end. Like if if UCF wins the other match, I don't, and they're tied. I don't know what does it just share. Maybe it goes to like sets or something. I don't know. I don't know. It'd be weird. No um, idea. Anyway, tweet of the week. Tweet of the week. We've got two this week. Um, and great news. They're both Cincinnati fans, which is my favorite type of tweet of the week. So in usual fashion, I was not even sort of tweeting about Cincinnati and Cincinnati fans felt the need to inject themselves into the conversation like a virus. Um, so during the game, <laughs> I, <laughs> during the game, the Temple game this past weekend, I tweeted at one point, this is arguably the most dominant UCF has ever looked against an FBS opponent ever which really wasn't hyperbole that ended up being their by, by margin biggest ever win over an FBS team. And at Nick Mullins, 15, Nick is his Twitter bio. He's a Cincinnati fan quote tweeted that. And Nick said, Mullins, is that former, yeah. former 49ers quarterback, Nick Mullins. Don't think so. <laughs> um, I did really, really quick tangent. Someone on the Uniswag Instagram post was really upset that UCF got uniform of the week and said, UCF sucks and doesn't have a national championship. And their name was Todd Stansbury. <laughs> and i don't mean it was like like their instagram handle was todd stansbury exactly that so i thought that was funny but anyway Maybe it was him so there's nick mullins there yeah not is. the same guy bailey's showing me a photo on his okay. phone of a quarterback i don't watch the nfl um so nick Fire. mullins weighed in quote tweeted me and said nice cats by 90 <laughs> um i would remind you that uh 
that okay cool hook them uh, like i don't even know what to make of that like i like first off that just shows how insecure since that 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 to me showed that cincinnati fans are getting worried that ucf beats a team 70 13 and they feel the need to like reaffirm that they're the better team it's like guys i watched your usf game and your tulsa game you are not the better team i'm sorry but you're not not saying ucf's gonna win but like <laughs> cincinnati's been playing bad for three weeks I don't, I don't i don't really know where that confidence comes from i respect the confidence and that led to an even better one because then of course UCF fans and Cincinnati fans went to war and the replies as usual and at Bearcats underscore nation Bearcats nation replied to me with a yawning emoji and a photo that was 2022 college football playoff and I just want to once again remind Cincinnati fans that they lost very badly in their playoff game and I know we've had this round of the podcast before so I'm going to repeat it but can someone please explain to me why Cincinnati fans are proud of losing a game badly I don't get it. I they, truly, really don't get it. They're so proud of the fact that they got invited to the 14 playoff and UCF didn't. But like it was out of UCF's control entirely. So I don't know why that's like a well, big flex. In their very small minds, the issue is that they think that that means that 2021 Cincinnati was better than 2017 UCF. There's a couple of factors at play. One, oh, and they love it when I say this, even though it's true. Chris Vanini, who covers Group of Five, but anyone has even said it's true. 2021 Cincinnati does not happen without 2017 UCF. 2017 UCF was what began the conversation of them beating Auburn of, oh, wait a minute, the group of five teams are good. We should look at them differently. Second, Cincinnati in 2021 was a perfect storm of circumstances. UCF did not benefit from there being a bunch of two lost power five champs and there being no, there, like literally there were two. Ha, ha, UCF didn't teams. benefit from all that. It's just like, ha. ooh, ha, it, literally Cincinnati fans like, ha, we're better than you because there was more chaos in our season. It's like, wow, congrats guys. That's really <laughs> great for you. But either way, on top of that, Every single time they have played in a major bowl, they have lost. And they're so proud of that. I've said this on the podcast before. What blows my mind is like, I like watching UCF highlights. I like watching UCF pass games. I don't think I've watched the 2018 Fiesta Bowl in years. I, I don't no. like watching games that UCF loses. And for Cincinnati, I'm like, do they watch highlights? Do they? <laughs> the <Alabama> game. <laughs> like do, of any of them. Every time they've gone to a major bowl, they've lost badly. Like, do they watch like are, are they just bored and they're like, oh, I really want to watch the first quarter against Virginia Tech in the Orange Bowl when we were competitive? That's my other favorite thing they come back with. They say, Oh, UCF played nothing but bad teams in their New Year's Six Bowls. They played Auburn, who was terrible. They played Baylor, who sucked. Neither of those things are true. Auburn was a win away from the playoff. Baylor was unstoppable that year. They had multiple 70-point and 60-point games. They lost to a nine and four Virginia Tech team that had <laughs> lost to Conference USA East Carolina earlier in the season and was ranked like 20th. And they're like, oh, we just play tougher teams. Delusional fan base. But anyway. H-O-K-I-E-S, uh, Hokies. Sure. And yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Tweet of the Week goes to a couple of Cincinnati fans. You guys keep being you. I am oh Congrats. so looking forward to the game in a couple weeks because Cincinnati, UCF is peaking at the right time and Cincinnati is collapsing at the right time. So it should be a fun one. I hope you're right. Um, I hope I'm right, too. Otherwise, this <laughs> audio worried. will get thrown in my face. I'm it still will be worried. a very sad time. So Yeah. Wow. Be great. But we got to get to ecu first so we'll be uh we'll be back saturday night after we're doing a post-game podcast right we always do yeah of course um i didn't check with you before that but it'll be up a little that... earlier this time because we're not at the east carolina game so we can record as soon as it ends it's true um let's do a live back... podcast let's just record while the game's happening people i think people would like i don't know why that's like there's a market for that they're actually that, maybe we should talk about that that actually like it's fun. like a live like in-game reactions thing but like it's a weird like and the company like the company i work for does it every, every bucks game so I don't know. I, I just, don't know if you I guys are ready time. for my unfiltered and unedited reactions. You guys have no idea how many times we record these podcasts and I have to go edit out stuff I say before I post it. Like, I have I don't a hard time watching for... both though. It's like, if I'm like, I'm having like my TV is probably not going to be in sync with the people who are watching it on the live stream. Yeah. Cause so you don't want like, them to get spoiled. 
I mean, yeah. I assume that so it's a weird. Yeah, I don't know. That's a tough one. We can talk anyway. about it though. Not for East Carolina because that's too yeah. soon, but maybe we can try that for a game. We'll be so. back. We'll be back with episode 103 after the game Saturday night. But until then, you can find us on Twitter at Bailey J Adams 22 at by CA Simmons and at Night Sports Now. Thank you guys so much for being with us, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye, everybody.